Welcome to Accidental Ascension. In today's episode, I get interviewed by Rihanna about my journey into the Divine Masculine. Having a look, she's also on YouTube, so you can check the original video here, Instagram, and also TikTok. So feel free to go over there, show us some love. On all, She talks about all things Divine Feminine, Divine Masculine, general spirituality, and so forth. So, let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for joining me once again for Share Your Story. Today, I have David with me from Tasmania in Australia. Thank you for joining me, David, and for volunteering your time today and to share a little bit about your story. Mm. I'll hand it over to you. Thanks, Rihanna. Uh, absolute pleasure. Uh, great to connect from sort of TikTok. And mm-hmm. this is a um, a subject that sort of never, I never, never really wasn't looking for it, but it kind of found me. So look, where do I start? Probably my story is relatively short, I suppose, in the whole mm-hmm. sort of awakening the process, probably just under two years old. Okay. And it, really sort of happened after um, my, you know, second marriage failed and I moved out yep. and um, was sort of starting afresh. And then for some reason, one thing led to another. I started reading up about horoscopes and astrology. I'd always had a little play with it in mm-hmm. the past and then stumbled into tarot. And then from there, there were these messages about, me having to do some things I never really thought I would be interested in doing, which was being vulnerable. Mm, interesting. And because, oh, gee, I tell you what, if you'd asked me previously, was I fairly masculine? Yes. Can I butt heads? Yes. Do I own a set of tools? Yes. <laughs> Side note, they are Ryobi for the weekend warriors. <laughs> um, do you have an axe though to chop trees? I have an axe and recently acquired a chainsaw as well. So, I mean, <laughs> um, but it was, I found it difficult to say to anyone that wasn't my wife or, or you know, wife at the time or kids, mm. I love you. It wasn't something, if I say it, I mean it. But to, to be able to say those words, couldn't say it to my mom, couldn't say it to my dad, mm-hmm. sisters, anyone outside of it. And I always knew it was going to be one of those things that in in the future I'd have to look at it. It was a future David problem. And so when I then, again, after the second marriage failed, it's like, David, you need to look into this. And I'm like, Mm. where the hell do I start? Like, where where do I start? And then I um, came across Brene Brown. Beautiful. And uh, I loved it. She sort of talked to the analytical side of me about, oh, okay, when you shut yourself off in vulnerability, you're shutting off other gates at the same time. It's not an exclusive gate that you necessarily shut. And boy, was that, oh, was that triggering? Was Was that difficult? Because you don't want to have to worry about vulnerability because for, for me, every time I saw vulnerability, within my close family unit. So when it came to um, my mother and my sisters and all of that, 
emotions seemed like weakness. Mm. I'm not coping. I, this is happening. I can't deal with it. And I'm very emotional. So like, well, for me being wanting to be the fixer, it's all like, well, I have no time for emotions. Yeah. And so to really dive and dig into that was just, it, it's something I'd never really completely dived into. Mm. So as I started diving into it, um, that's when, and this wasn't just by itself. I still kept on with the astrology, learning more about that, yep. getting into the tarot. And then it was from there, YouTube, wonderful thing. It then sort of suggests different videos. And yep. then it's more about consciousness and awakening <laughs> and soulmate and twin flames and all of this stuff just started barraging in. And I was there going, oh, this is, this is huge. So I started doing a lot of inner work about trying to understand my childhood, you know, traumas and mum mm -hmm. and father wounds mm -hmm. and where, who really am I and all of that. And then, oh my God, as I'm doing that, the tears start flowing, <laughs> the emotional releases. And then yep. they go, what the hell is going on? Mm. I'm doing all this work. I'm turning into a mess. <laughs> Feels <laughs> like you're going backwards for a while, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And then, um, you know, thinking or hearing about sort of then twin flames and Archangel Michael and all of that, I then stumbled across this terminology of divine masculine. Mm. I'm like, what the hell is this? I know what masculine is. Yes. Chop wood, carry water, get things done, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The everyday and masculine, that is, yes. Exactly. Yep. And so uh, this this intrigued me because I'm like, yeah, I, I could do that. And then really stepping into, well, what does that actually mean? And then I had a friend, shout out to Mandy, um, put me on to a book by David Dieter, yes. which is the, superior um, the, way, man. the way of the superior man. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him sort of went, that's it's a bit egocentric, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to become a divine masculine and tell everyone what to do. No. Um, <laughs> I opened up the book, read it. And it was just absolutely um, in incredible. Mm. And the first time I read it, I didn't quite get all of what he had to say. But some of the things that really sort of got to me was about sort of purpose and the way you can compose yourself and be present but be vulnerable and playful mm. Yes, and bring it, bring it all in together. And I'm just like, wow. It's it's a good book and I definitely recommend it to every man who I've worked with in the past. And if some people are listening here, I definitely recommend it as well. Oh, for sure. Mm. Because it just really gives you, it gave me a real appreciation. This was a big turning point of the divine feminine. Yeah. And so for, for, for me, if I had to sort of sum up the, the whole, the whole journey for me is becoming or aspiring to and working towards being a divine masculine is really the ability to truly celebrate and acknowledge the divine feminine, not just within yourself, mm. but when you are searching for your, your partner. And that just kind of floored me because it's sort of like, you know, divine masculine means build more muscles, carry heavier things, do all those kind of, you know, 
Yeah. So, um, and, and you know, that's 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 the starting point, right? But that's not yeah. the that's not the deep deep stuff. So, so the divine masculine for you now, you know, I understand what you're talking about. For, for but for anyone listening, sort of what what does that mean to you, and what are you working on to to build that within you? Well, what is it? You know, most males are masculine. Mm, full stop. Definitely. So for for me, the difference between what is masculine, you know growing hair on your face if mm-hmm. you can and losing it at the top if you are, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, being a fixer, doing all these very stereotypical things mm-hmm. is already present. Being a divine masculine is being really holding space. It's being able to be vulnerable, but coming from a healed vulnerability mm-hmm. because you see a lot of, well, I've seen, you know, thanks to the TikTok algorithm, this discussion happening about ladies or females wanting their 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 partners to open up mm-hmm. and be and be vulnerable but when they get vulnerable they open up and then they're a mess and they go no 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 put it back put it back put it, put back. it back yeah and they can't <laughs> the women can't hold space for that and um and so when you're able to go through the wounds and really bust open limiting beliefs and the big ones always, am I worthy enough? Yeah. A lot of it stems back to, to that, to be able to sit in the mud, to be able to not have to just go and fix the, the, the problem and be a container mm. for feminine energy and understanding the polarities. So for, for me, the way I understand it, is that the true essence of the of the you know the divine feminine is chaotic love energy it's mm-hmm. creation it is just turbulent and beautiful all at the same time yeah and for a masculine is to be able to provide a container to contain that to allow her mm. to fully express in her power beautiful and um i've had chances where uh, I've had situations where there's been a lot of that going on and I likened it to um, being a bowl because when you're a bowl and you are containing something, the bowl actually doesn't judge what it's holding. Mm. It just holds it. And so being a divine masculine, uh, in my point of view, is also being able to to do that, mm. not judging or when you're containing it, you're not containing it out of obligation or out of, you know, absolute necessity. And there's that sort of sense of, oh, I have to do this because no one else is doing it. It's the ability to just hold it without Definitely. judgment. And and I think like while we're talking about this, I, I do want to note though that this is not a permission slip for, because I've, I've spoke to some men about this type of thing, you know, being able to hold space for, for women, the feminine. Um, mm. when they are a little more chaotic or more in their emotions and things like that. Mm. But it's not a permission slip for women to be, you know, what's, I don't want to say crazy, but, you know, just toxic behaviour where they're throwing mm. around unhealed emotion. Um, so it, it is, you know, women are more emotional and will always mm-hmm. express more emotions, usually than a man um, who is in his masculine, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be, you know, what a lot of men have experienced where the women, woman's coming at the man and is throwing her emotions, you know, directly at the man and, and mm. saying, you know, it's, it, I don't know if I'm trying to get what I want to say across, but it, it's not a permission slip for someone to be toxic or, yeah. um, you know, 
whatever other words are there, but a man to be able to hold space for a woman to just be herself is truly powerful. And I don't know if this is what your experience is, but, uh, you know, my belief is for a man to be able to do that, and I'm obviously not a man, but he has to be comfortable with his own emotions Mm. to be able to hold space for a woman to go to the depths of her emotions. Because if Mm. he's not comfortable, how can he hold space for her if he doesn't even know what the emotions feel like within his own body? So, um, Absolutely. And you raise a great point. There's been times where I've been in situations where, you you just fall into this sort of sense of holding space where there's quite an emotional thing going on mm. and you will feel the emotion that's that's going on and yep. when when you're able to feel that emotion i found myself you know feeling the emotion where there are tears coming down yep. and it's it's not a it's not a shame it's not a it's not bad it's it's just you are you're being present with them you're not just a stone wall Mm. it's it's that sort of nurturing container yes but you, you raise a valid point about just accepting sort of any type of behaviors because you know you have a shield hold this and i'll just whack it yeah. um that's which that's, i think comes from a place yeah. of you know one or two people not doing any healing work or not doing any introspective work um so i do believe if as a man you've done some healing work some introspective work you will attract a woman who's also done the same so it should mm. be you know, it should be um, at the same sort of frequency or level together. Look, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've got friends who are doing the work at the moment with their partners who are completely not. Mm. And so you might find that there starts to be a sort of a, a differing point of view. It does. Um, but I've got to say the, and I've got to say really this book, guys, girls, if you're <laughs> watching it, this book, absolute game changer because especially for the divine masculine it just really comes down to purpose Mm. and for me that was really difficult because when i was reading that book my biggest end game was to to find my divine feminine and put everything above that and very common for men oh and very common and then if the relationship breaks down what have you got you've got nothing and that's where i think men are falling short at the moment and but it's just so tempting, right? It's just <laughs> so tempting because then you learn a few tricks and you want to show someone, right? You of you want to you want to you know yeah. There's that that need for intimacy, the need to be held, and yeah. especially when you're going through this whole thing where it's like the death and rebirth. <laughs> you, yes. You're pulling your skin off and you you rebirth, but you're doing it all by yourself, and yeah. that's you know, in my experience, it leaves a temptation open mm. to make some you know pretty unhealthy decisions um but i've got to say when you come at this sort of sense of purpose what is it that you're wanting to to do and at the core of it's going to be service and is it Mm. going to be service to one is it going to be service to many it's going to be different for yes for for everyone but when you find when you find that flow you'll know the difference between karmic cycles and lessons and clues to be learned Mm. And, and and with your purpose as a man, I think when you find, you know, the right feminine, the right woman, she will be on board with your purpose and she'll probably have her own purpose as well in service mm. as well if she's done the work. So it's like you'll probably be, well, hopefully be heading in the same direction with that purpose and perhaps even, you know, I think when people are in service um, in this space, they often come together and offer, you know, things together, which is even more potent and even more powerful than what someone can do individually. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love this sort of saying that when you've got two people like that that, that come together, one plus one doesn't equal two. It equals mm. much more, much more than that. It does. Yeah. And so you can be doing things independently, but there's generally a common theme of service. Um, and so that's been for me the so so counterintuitive to become more masculine. I had to fully embrace the feminine. Mm. And that was sort of like, hang on. So to turn right, I have to turn left. <laughs> uh, Sounds counterintuitive, <laughs> right? And I've tried yeah. to talk about this a little bit on TikTok. And it's like, you do have to embrace the duality. If you think about the yin-yang sign, mm. you know, within each side of that yin-yang sign, there's that little dot. And that little dot is, you know, the duality. So to be the big bit masculine as a man, you still need that percentage of feminine and it's going to be different for every man mm. to truly embrace your truest nature um which for most men is masculinity um and you need to you know you need to have that um to i've spoke to many men about it. it's like you need to have that if you don't you come across as cold or robotic mm. or you know that type of man and that's where women start to to run i guess yeah <laughs> well away. my my go-to previous to all of this was logic. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a world where emotion, especially from a very young age, I sort of shut it down. It was logic. So as long as I could eloquently enough propose what I wanted to happen mm-hmm. and my partner or whoever in, in front of me sort of wanting to sort something out or exchange ideas or to get an opinion across, or even just try and get a emotion or a point across. If they couldn't do it as well as me, then I simply wouldn't listen to them. And I would win the argument, but lose their heart. And I didn't really realize that until later on. Because if you haven't got that emotion, if you can't think in colors as opposed to numbers, then the only common ground is logic. And that then comes down to talent. If you can be a good speaker, great. If you're not a good speaker, well, okay. Yeah. And it it would it leaves people very frustrated. Like they've they've lost they've lost the argument, but no one's won. No. And so being able to feel into that and to explore that is so powerful because at the end of the day, words are just there to interpret energy. Mm. Definitely. And so um, the the polarities are very important. So, but yes, diving into the opposite direction has been a, a massive one for me. So, <laughs> so David, I, I guess because, uh, you know, coming from the space where it seems like, and again, I, I'm only talking from what I see on social media, from my own posts, from other people's posts, but it seems like this is a space where a lot of men are about to or maybe are diving into at the moment. But if someone, a man mm. is at his starting part point of his journey of diving into vulnerability and learning to explore about mo- emotions more as a man, you know, how did how did you start the process? Because this is something that, you know, a lot of men are like, well, I don't know what to do. Where do I start? And I heard you say that, you know, where do mm. I start? So other than the book of David Dieter, you know, where 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 did you start? Yeah, well, I mean, the the book in in my journey came in for, further Later. on, so okay. that that was the start of understanding the, the divine masculine. But okay. where where I started was trying to understand the because again, when you when you don't think of things from or for me for an emotional standpoint, it's a value proposition. Everything's logic. Yeah, it's one, two, three, A, B, C, big, small. You know. 
Um, and so it was like, okay, well, what am I missing out on by shutting this door to vulnerability? Mm-hmm. What is it? What is my perception of vulnerability? What is my perception of emotions? Mm. And then um, from there, there was that sort of Brene Brown, which is sort of like vulnerability and creativity are very much hand in hand. You, mm-hmm. you shut one down, they they both go down. So for me, being a creative um and having a bit of a block, that was sort of a bit of motivation. Okay, made sense. Yeah, and and so it's sort of you, there has to be a starting point. So you have got to mm-hmm. get out of that sort of the dogma mindset. Yes, there's only there's only one way. But to get out of that, you need to have something that talks to you in that language. It says actually you're missing out on mm. that to get you started. That's yeah, the first okay. domino to fall. So for any guy out there who's starting the journey, it's well you've already started. Yeah. What is it? What is it that brought you onto the the the, the journey? And then think about what the blocks might have been. And if you're coming from a logical standpoint, look for the logical reasons why you need to be vulnerable, and mm-hmm. look into the reasons why you feel as though emotions are bad. Yeah, and definitely. Then, so start to explore your beliefs around it. Absolutely. And mm. then from there, it's like just grabbing that little piece of yeah. fabric and, and then it starts unraveling and you'll generally end up uncovering <laughs> stuff <Lots>. from the past <laughs> traumas 100 you know? and and look um, most of it which you know most of it you probably be aware is it links back to childhood and it links back mm-hmm. to everything that you've experienced like your whole life you know i often talk about it. it's like when you start to do this type of healing work it's like there's almost like a well there is there's a dot to dot over every Mm. moment in your life and it stems all the way back to childhood you are like this because of this because of this because of this because of this and until you become aware of that and start to say well no I no longer want to be like that I want to change uh, it's just going to continue like a snowball effect Mm. um, and you just sort of live your life in automatic pilot whereas when you say you know enough's enough you know I'm missing out on this by not being vulnerable or whatever it is that someone's working Mm. on it's like I'm going to change this and and I think you might have mentioned, you know, it can be deeply uncomfortable when you begin to face yourself and you say, I've been like that, I did that, you know, how, you know, I've done it for myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's I was that person before and, you know, I'm not mm. proud of that but it was a part of my journey and and here I am now because, you know, I've I've done some of the work and and broke some of those chains and, and wanted to create change. But you do have to be honest with yourself and say, this is where I'm at. And if it's a starting point, mm. then that's okay. You know, just keep, just keep going. I think. hundred percent because the, the, the change is difficult and you see people who want all the change with no change. Yeah. If I could just, you know, change it. You know, I just, I just don't want to feel sad or yes. alone or whatever it is anymore. But one of the funny things that, um, that kept me and I, I didn't realize this until much further on, was going back to my childhood, I never really felt safe. And it's not because I had bad parents. It's not because mm-hmm. of anything. Yep. And so when I truly asked myself the question, when was the last time I felt safe? And I'm there going, well, oh, like that truly peaceful mm. safe. And my coping mechanism around not feeling safe was just to be constantly moving, okay. constantly going. Yeah. At a at a Susan of ADHD into all of that, and then mm-hmm. it's just an absolute, it's yep. a lovely delight. <laughs> Honestly, I think a lot of people use that coping mechanism. So, yeah, and and so to 
to be vulnerable, you can't be fast. No. You can't be you can't be in your head. You can't be all of these things sort of distracting. Mm. Vulnerability is really in the moment. You've got to slow it down. You've mm. got to drop start down into to the heart. Hundred absolutely. So it feels sort of counterintuitive. So mm. I'm going to say to come back to the earlier question: How you know, in my experience, the two major things, and I can only look at this in retrospect. It's not like I sort of sat down and planned it out. Yeah, just yeah. Sort of how it happened because everyone's got their own journey is figuring out, you know, what's the benefits of, of being vulnerable, being open to it, and then working on myself to get to a point where I could slow down to be that, work through all the stuff that bubbles out when you're in that vulnerable state. Mm. So then once you clear a lot of it out, it doesn't mean you've got rid of everything, but you're there enough to be there for others. Yeah, definitely. And, and feel it within yourself. So it's a, it's a mega journey. And Definitely. And I think that, that note of, of feeling safe is really important because, you know, when you look at just the traits of masculinity, there's that, that, that safety. So the masculine provides mm. safety for the feminine, whether it's in yourself or with someone else. And I think I might have said it before in a different context, but if you if you don't feel safe in your own body, again, you can't create safety for anyone else, you know, that you bring into your mm. life, uh, whether it be your children, whether it be your, your partner or someone else. Like you mm. can't create a feeling of safety unless you feel safe in yourself. So, uh, you know, you said you didn't have a particularly bad childhood and, you know, I, I didn't either, but I know that I didn't feel safe in my body either when I started to to do the work and, you know, it was, there was many things for me to have to explore and it was things, you know, feeling safe to speak up or feeling safe to be seen, uh, you know, mm. feeling safe to, to put myself out there. Uh, all of these things then led to me going down the path of, okay, it's safe to be vulnerable now because I feel safe enough to do all these other things and put myself out there. Um, so, you know, from a woman's perspective, it, it many women I've worked with, it's very similar. You know, they don't feel safe in themselves. They haven't built their own inner masculine to, to provide that safety. So they mm. can't be vulnerable. Um, and I think there's this perception that, well, I'm not sure what you think, but perception that women are vulnerable. But women are only vulnerable, I think, to a certain extent at this point in time because they're able to be more emotional. But are mm. we? Are we allowing ourselves to be truly vulnerable and to be truly seen in a relationship? And I don't think many women are at this point in time either. Um, so yeah. it, it's something that, you know, men and women need to work on is this ability to be vulnerable, to be truly seen and to, you know, to show show your soul, if you like, mm. um, to this other well, person. You know, for, for me, there's a there's a big difference between being emotional and being vulnerable. Yeah. So um, being emotional is, you know, expressing your feelings mm. really hard, whatever they are. Being vulnerable is actually sitting down and talking to the person why you feel that way. Yes. And so a lot of the time I see in, in and blanket, just people, is I feel really crap. I'm really upset. I'm really depressed. I'm really, okay, why is that? Oh, because of this and this and this, and it'll always be better once I win the lottery and this happens and interest <laughs> rates go down and there's a new prime minister and all of these all these type of things. It's always External stuff, yes. Yeah, yeah. And they're not wrong. All of those things would make them feel better. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but being vulnerable is sort of like, well, actually, I'm I'm feeling this way because I really don't like my job. I'm in a relationship that I don't know why, but I don't want to be in it, but I can't leave it. Yeah. Um, or I'm in a job that this this is a situation and they sort of I then allow themselves to just still be in that situation. Yeah. But they won't, they don't want to say it because it sounds silly. Yeah. And nothing sounds silly because everyone's probably dealing with it, but there's a societal norm that is very masculine, which is go get it, do it, say it, be it, whatever it is. The old Tony Robbins back from the 80s and 90s, this, that sort of, you know, sort of power moves and all of that. But How's your day? All... Good. How are you today? Good. Good. I'm good. Busy. I'm busy. 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 But imagine busy. if we actually Good. started busy. like, well, sometimes I actually say how I'm feeling to people and I can see they're just like, oh. oh. <laughs> they don't know what to say I when I know. actually say the truth. Yeah. I, I. How are you? I feel like crap, but I sat watching TV all day, <laughs> feeling guilty about the stuff that I needed to do and pounded four litres of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Start saying the truth. It's really funny when you see people's reaction to it. Uh, yeah. I like to test it sometimes. Well, um, I've, I've said, um, well, my cousin taught me this, that there's a, there's two words that you need to get through any conversation. If it's light surface stuff, it's right. And yeah. <laughs> and all you need to do is change the inflections. Right. Well, I, I don't know about you, but once you start to do this sort of digging into your own inner world, like I, I can't, I can't really have surface level conversations too well anymore. And uh, I literally, it's, I don't, you know, I must come across as rude, but I switch down and switch off and I can't, I can't do it. I literally can't do it. So yeah, it's hard. It's, it's one of those things I've, I've never, unless you really have to like for work purposes and now um, because I do my own things, I don't have to worry about that. But when you do get into these conversations, the best way to sort of get out of those situations, just find a nice way to shut it down. Like, You'll I'm get there. <laughs> you'll you'll get there. Oh, I know. I need to, and uh, you'll you'll get there. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs> um, but it is difficult. But at the the core of all of that, there's actually someone wanting to tell you something, but they're afraid but to they tell can't. you that. Yeah. But the shame of what that judgment might be that they're actually putting onto you mm. from their own projection. And, Definitely. But we've all been especially in these generations, we've all been raised that way. And our parents were raised by their parents and their parents were raised by their parents. Mm. Just so happens we're going through this massive shift in awareness where everyone's have to pull the handbrake on and do a 180 on what is really important in life as opposed to go to school, go to university, buy a house, get married, have yeah. kids. Everything's changing. Sort of like the, the age-old question: What's the purpose of life? Well, I think the baby boomer type thing—that's that's that's the end of it. Like we we yep. are different, um, and you know, we, I'm in my forties. I was brought up to mm. by baby boomers and was brought to believe so, all of those things. And it's like, well, I don't mm. want that. <laughs> and I've had to break all of those chains and and push against you know what was sort of ingrained in me to say, hey, and I don't want that, and it's not working for me. So. You know, it's it's we are all being now uh, invited, I guess, to to question what it is that we actually want and and mm. what feels good for us in life, and 
and to push back against, you know, the societal norms of what it means to be successful or what it means to be, you know, whatever. Um, and for me, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm enjoying a slow, slow life now and I love it. So um, I'm sure that will change at some point when I want to ramp things up again. But, you know, for now, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think so my like, mum well, still sometimes slips in, when are you going to get a job? <laughs> <laughs> Well, while the house pays for itself, I don't see a need for it. <laughs> Still good. I'm like, I do actually work. You know that. I just don't go work for someone else. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I've got 50% custody of my two kids. And um, so when they're with me, I take them to school. I pick them up. I do all these things. Mm. And they then go back to their their moms. And they keep on saying to their mom, why can't you be more like dad? Because you know they say they whinge about having to go to after school care yeah. and those type of things. She's not working a normal type job. That's right, and I have to yep. tell my kids I'm the exception. This is this is not normal. Mm. Um, and but it, again, when you start to really oh, don't get me started on the abundance piece, right? That could be a whole another topic. <laughs> um, but to to really feel it and to watch it sort of come in and what abundance means, because it's very easy to be abundant with ten million in the bank. Yeah, yes, but, it is. I, I don't know, but yeah, I'm assuming. But, it would be. Yeah, yeah. I'm not coming from experience, by the way, but I'm assuming it'd be very easy. <laughs> uh, but to know that everything's covered when it needs, and you've always got enough money to do what you need at the time. You know, it, it it always when you project forward a couple of months, and you sort of go, "Do I have enough for that?" Um, I've done a lot of work around this, moving from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset, and it takes time. <laughs> but it's so good. much to work through. So, so much. much to work through. Like you go tell the you go tell the bottom of your stomach, it's okay, we're abundant, and then your head goes, "Really?" And your stomach's <laughs> like. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> or when people say, yeah, but you can be abundant in many other ways, not just financially. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't pay the bills though, does it? So Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm abundantly in a tent. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's not that's where my creative juices are really gonna flow. So <laughs> No, I get it. Um there's always something to work on. I get it. Absolutely. And and until we take a last breath, it's odd. That's the way I see it. It's a, that constant evolution. Well, I love that, you know, you're sharing your your story and sharing, mm. you know, how you've begun. And I know it's not it's not finished, but how you've begun your journey. And, you know, you said you're two years in, um, I'm maybe three, so I'm not that much in, in front of you, if at all. Um, but Amazing it just keeps, job. just keeps going through, yeah, three or four now, but um, it just keeps going. It just changes and things, but things do feel better. I, I, you know, from my experience, things feel good once you've worked mm -hmm. through the layers of, of shit, I call it debris, layers of debris that, you know, debris, you've built, yeah. debris you've built up over your life and lifetimes, depending on what you mm. believe. But before we finish up, David, is there anything sure. else that you would like to, to share or to offer, um, you know, to anyone that's listening, I guess? Yeah, I think just following on from what you said just then, um, I when I where I am where I am now, I'm very happy with it. I, but I haven't got everything I've asked for. Mm. Far far from it. But I've got everything I didn't ask for, which I which I didn't didn't know I needed. <laughs> and um, I love the position that that I'm in. And but I can say that now. But when I was going through all of that sort of stuff. Mm that shit that you talked about, horrendous. Yes. 
like and it's almost to the point of it feeling cruel mm. and then when you just sort of go for the next bit to the next bit to the next bit it, it really kind of feels like am I going crazy is something actually working against me here why yeah. do I have to feel all of this um so my biggest parting thing is keep going you know if you feel as though there's something still drawing you in this this direction it's not forever mm. it's a healing process and um, I don't think any of us are going to be finished until we close our eyes for the last time. No, but allow yourself to sort of go, look, there are going to be shit days. It's going to feel, you're going to feel like a train wreck. Mm. You're going you're gonna to have times where um, it just feels too much or why me? I mean, these, these things do creep in. And so for, for me, when I was in a trajectory going up, like I always like to succeed at what I do. Um, and normally what I'd used to do is only do things I knew I was good at, not necessarily the best growth mindset I've ever come across, but you know, and so when I was going up, I was really happy with myself, but when I was going down, I thought I was a failure mm. and then realizing that, that growth goes can, up and down and, but can still head in the right direction. So, um, sticking at it. And knowing that there will be a time in the future, your future self will look back at you and give you a high five. Definitely. And I definitely have to agree. And, you know, what I will say around that is that, well, for me as a woman, I I sought help. So I, you know, I, I did my own training to become obviously a coach and hypnotherapist and help people do it now, but I sought help and I still seek help if I need it. So I see different practitioners at different times mm. for different things. Um, you know, um, and I've spoke to men who have sought help through therapists and, and NLP practitioners and all the rest of it. So there's plenty of people out there these days that if you are in that state, you know, and I've been there and I know mm. it's messy and it's horrible and it doesn't feel good. Sometimes you just need someone to talk to. And sometimes, you know, often if you have, uh, you're in a relationship or even your family, most people don't understand what you're going through. So, um, you know, I, I, I recommend seeking someone that you can, that a professional person that can, can help you if you need it. You don't always need mm. it, but sometimes you do. Um, because, you know, I have a lot of um, clients that say, well, I've tried to talk to my partner or I've tried to talk to my family and they just don't understand. And it can feel you feel like it's worse than if you feel like no one understands you. So I just wanted to say that because it is, I, I know how uncomfortable it is and, um, you know, I've been on the floor, um, you know, in the fetal position on days and it's like, mm -hmm. is this ever going to end? Um, and sometimes you just need someone to say it is, <laughs> it's going to end. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So, well, thank you more. so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you um, in all your wisdom. I will hit stop on the record button in, in, in a moment, but thank you so much, David. Thank you very much, Rihanna. Great to be here.